This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Dayton Ward, author of a whole bunch of Star Trek novels, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host, Brandon Shea-Mutella, back from the dead with a vengeance to kill any old people in my path. I'm having lots of fun doing it, and uh, joining me, as always, is my ever-constant beautiful bride, Randy. Ew, that's that's weird. <laughs> weird? <laughs> what do you mean? It's the Bride of Frankenstein. I, had, I don't know. I had to bring you in as the I, bride. I know. It's just awkward because we're married to other people. And so, uh, yeah. That's okay. I'm an actress. I can take on the role. <laughs> right. But, you know, at, sometimes you play the role of the co-host. True. And then, other, then you play the role of the bride. Okay. That works. I'll, I'm, I'm down with it now. You've explained it to me. In a simple way that my poor little feminine brain can understand. Yes, excellent. <laughs> right on. And also joining us is the great, wonderful doctor, back from the dead, Patrick. Oh, that's right. Patrick's not here tonight. Oh, is he dead again? He's dead again, uh, yes. He got electrocuted again. At this time, it didn't bring him back to life. It killed him. <sighs> so That's nasty business. Next, we'll have to go back in around the sun and like see if we can save him. No, Patrick's got issues going on at home right now. He had, I don't know, he's, he's I didn't quite understand what's going on there. He's got a, somebody in his kitchen. Uh, well, he's trying to get his kitchen redone, and the guy showed up three hours late for giving him an, uh, an estimate on that. And also his computer died. Is this so information that we can tell everybody? Is that okay? Sure, why not? <laughs> Should we tell more dirty laundry about Patrick's life? Um... I don't have anything else. I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no. he's got a little black book in which he writes all of these things down. I haven't seen the pages on me, but I'm assuming there are many pages. No, he has a black book, and you know what? He uses a red pen. Oh, terrible. Anyways. Anyways, no, Patrick is busy tonight, uh, but we do have some other news that we do have to talk about here. Yes. I've got some craziness going on in my life, and, you know, with the Edge coming back full force right away here, Christmas time's coming around, I'm actually needing to get another job. 
So um, we're going to have to cut back the Warp 5 a little bit here coming up in the next little bit. Now, the good news for you listeners is you're not going to notice for a couple of weeks because we do have another supplemental coming out. Uh, but we are going to go back to the old recording type that I used to do with Floyd, where we're going to do once a month, we're going to record two episodes in one night to just free up some extra time uh, for, you know, things that we got to do in our lives here. So we've given it all of our gusto for a year. We've gone weekly for... You know what? I think it's going to be a full year by the time uh, we have to drop it back down. I think we would have done 52 in a row um, with just missing that one or two in the summer, but basically basically weekly for a full year, and we appreciate everybody's support. But uh, family's got to take priority, and our, our life has to kind of take priority here, and we'll still bring, bring stuff to you guys. We just have a little bit of change, and hopefully this won't be a forever thing, but it's a for now thing. So... Yeah, definitely take care of you and yours first, because if you're not taking care of yourself and your family, then what's going to happen to you? What if you suddenly just disappear into the void and then we still have no Warp 5 and now we're missing a Brandon? And then I'd be all burnt and have really short hair and learn how to smoke. Right. Awesome. Smoke. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Tonight we're talking about movie night, but before we get into our movie night, we have some feedback on the last episode, which, um, goodness, I think the last episode was that we had released, because uh, again, we missed last week, we had something come up, like, things are all crazy, okay. but our last episode was our uh, our season four, part four retrospective, where we covered Daedalus, oh my goodness, so much death, Daedalus, so much and uh, Observer Effect, with more death than two people that died in that episode. Death, death and Needles! Death and needles and crazy backs. Yeah. Did you want to read some feedback that we got, Brandy? All right. So we do have some lovely comments. Uh, Chris Trebuzio says, great episode. And hearing the phrase, we will just shorten it to MB from Brandy Jekyll. <laughs> was hysterical. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that one from you. No, definitely not. So. <laughs> well, you know, I like to surprise people. Uh, so, you know, I, I do actually, every once in a while, I like to do something that just makes people go, what? That's my favorite thing. Uh, William J. Jackson says, terrific episode. This was such a sad story and you guys really dissected it well. And I'm assuming it was, that was about Daedalus. And then he also says, by the way, I like the Organians in Observer Effect. I felt it was a great way of using established Trek lore without really affecting the timeline. And it's cool to see those all-powerful TOS entities get around. I think I'm one of the few people that really has an issue with uh, the Organians in that episode, which is fine. I mean, like I said, it's still my favorite episode. Yeah, it's, it's all good. You know, we can have issues with things and still enjoy them. So, you know, uh, Patrick Carlin says, loved the new intro from J.G. Hertzler. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should have a special interview with him coming out very soon. I did, I got to sit down with him, and uh, that guy is a hoot to talk to, <laughs> let me tell you. I'll bet he is. I'll bet he is. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Patrick also says, I had always, I had also always figured Emery's injuries to be from early transporter tests. But I like Patrick Devlin's idea, too. 
Uh, also, Janet Lee says, wow, I forgot about mentioning Daedalus as a sign of distance between Trip and Archer. I want to remind you of the conversation between me and Naomi Pickham about Trip not telling Archer why he was leaving for Columbia, which both of us see as the strongest evidence. Keep that in mind when you get to the Babel arc. Unlike Patrick, mm -hmm. I wasn't impressed with the math as just another language. I get what the writers are trying to say, but it's just too different from linguistics. Now, if she was always portrayed as a Renaissance woman, I can accept that. But it took me out of the story, just like finding out that she ran a gambling ring out of nowhere. Which I loved. I think that is so cool myself that she had a had a poker game going on. Yeah. I don't know. Did you like that? I did, because of course she's never going to tell someone about that. <laughs> unless she thinks she's dying. I mean... Obviously, that's not something she's going to make common knowledge. That's yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with that at all. So. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I thought that was cool. It was something you would expect, and that's why I liked it. Well, and the interesting thing is, going back to season three, when uh, the Zindi, or the reptilian Zindis, were using Hoshi to break the code for being able to use the weapon, and she's like, I... I can't do this. I'm not a code breaker. And they were saying it was a linguistic code. So she does have a bit of experience now of a crossover between mathematics and language because of sure. that code. That's, that's what I assumed anyway. So I had forgotten about that, but you're right. Yeah. That would have been, you know, just not about half a season before this, that would have happened, right? Yep. Maybe a bit longer, but yeah, that works for me. Why not? Yep. That's what came into my little brain. Uh, we also have a comment from Karen Kalzer. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, I'm so sorry. And she says, I love the observer effect. In an episode cooking with good acting, John Billingsley stands out in his confrontation with the observers. The prime directive rub for me is massaged away by the sense that the observers are essentially luring innocence into the virus and using it for entertainment almost. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we had a little bit of a back and forth on, on the Babel conference about that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't see them as luring them. Because again, mm -hmm. in the episode, they're like, this this uh, silicon virus is here and people are investigating it, you know, whether we're here or not. So I don't see them as luring it. They're just there, yeah. you know. And I like our idea that we kind of came up with afterwards where maybe there's more than one Organian test going on across the galaxy and they're kind of everywhere. And there's different types of tests going on all across the galaxy. Well, there would have to be because these guys don't have bodies. They can go anywhere, do anything. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be just this one benchmark? I don't think so. But here's... And also, also that there's so many different species across the galaxy. And to have just this one planet, well, not all the species are going to get there. Exactly. So. But this brought up something uh, that... I hadn't thought of before because at the end of the episode, Archer says they're going to leave basically a warning buoy warning people away from the planet. How come no one else who had ever been to that planet did that? I don't know that a lot of the other species out there have the same considerations that humans do. Yeah. You know, but I... if, if anything, why wouldn't they want to warn their own people? Maybe they do. They go home and they post it on Facebook. <laughs> right? They're like, stay away from that place. That's not a good place to go. Right? And then you get all these people that are like conspiracy theorists and they're like, 
oh, it's a fake. Look at how the flag is not moving and whatnot. And yeah, they're basically just basing everything on Yelp reviews. That's fine. I get it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> except in Klingon, it would be like I don't know what would be in Klingon instead of Yelp. It would be like Kulp. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Kulp. There we go. Excellent. Right on. Um, cool. Right on. Well, that's our, our feedback that we had from our last episode, and we shall jump now into our discussion on reanimated corpses. <laughs> oh, for a quick second, I thought, oh, we were talking about reanimator? Excellent. <laughs> you know, I've never seen reanimator. I love that movie. It is yes. so wrong. But, so but we could, because there's a Bride of Reanimator, too, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there's a few sequels to that one. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the second in the Universal Horror Frankenstein series of films called a Bride of Frankenstein. And this is kind of a sequel to the first one. But it's really interesting how this movie starts, because, you know, as far as I understand it, and I'm no expert, maybe you are, but as far as I understand it, the original story for Frankenstein was basically done, not like as a dare, but there was a bunch of friends that were together and they went on a trip and it turned out to be really bad weather. And so they had a, like a contest to write a story. Is that not kind of how Frankenstein came to be? Uh, Well, I'm certainly no expert, um, but... I could be wrong, but I think that's how it is. And anyways, that's how the movie starts, basically. Is she's they're, they're saying, you've told us the story, now tell us more. And so it, it, it is out of universe because it's Mary Shelley talking with her husband and one of her friends, and then she starts telling the story again. So it's weird. It's a weird introduction. Yeah, well, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, their accents drove me nuts. It's like, stop trilling Every single R. Nobody did that. Nobody did that back then. But uh, the it's funny because they don't really play up what a, a, a big, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Philanderer Lord Byron was. <laughs> or how messed up his estate was. Uh, it's considered to be haunted by, you know, people who think that ghosts exist. And I'm not saying that they do or do not. That is just... Uh, what are you really saying, Brandy? Uh, I've seen dead people. Have you? <laughs> Did, was your door handle red? <laughs> no. No, okay. No. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's a weird introduction to this movie, though, don't you think? It is bizarre, because basically Mary Shelley is telling the story of the sequel to the movie... That was based loosely on her book. Right. So it's not a sequel to the book. It's a sequel to the movie. No, because there was stuff in the original movie that did not happen in the book. Yeah. And the, and the movie, the sequel starts before the previous movie ends and they rewrite the ending. Yes. He didn't get out of the cock a duty car. Yeah. I love misery. Um... <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, so basically, Frankenstein's monster didn't die in the fire. Nope. He, there was like a bunch of water underneath. I guess the fire department came and put out the fire, and that's why all that water was there. But there was like a lot of water, and some old man fell into the building, 
and there was a lady who was screaming really comically. Oh, Minnie, yeah. Um, (sighs) That woman drove me nuts. That character drove me nuts. Yeah. Because at times she was halfway like just a, a frantic servant and the other time she was mugging like Rodney Dangerfield and it's just it I don't understand her point of being in the movie at all. Okay, so most people consider this to be bit better than the first one. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. Now, there's something else here too. So Trip himself says in the episode where we get this from, right? He's like, this is the greatest trilogy of all time. Now, we haven't got to the third one yet, but I'm starting to question on this being the greatest trilogy of all time. I mean, they're good, mm-hmm. but have you seen the first three Ernest movies? No. Like, Ernest Goes to Camp? I've seen one, and I don't remember which one it was. Tangent. Um, okay, that joke didn't get as big of a laugh as I was hoping it was going to get. <laughs> I was hoping you'd laugh when I said Ernest was better, but anyways. Um, no. I took you earnestly. <laughs> Awful. That's Just brutal. Exactly. Just tit for tat. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so Frankenstein kills a couple people. Mm-hmm. Right? Kills an old man, kills an old woman, scares a bunch of people, goes on the run, scares some girl guides. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Girl Scout guides. Yep. Girl Scout guides. Mm-hmm. Takes her cookies. Yeah. And uh in my I don't know like we're summing it up really quick here cuz this is kind of an odd movie. Like I didn't I didn't really like this movie that much. I'm going to I'm not going to lie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I didn't really like it. But I'm going to just jump to my favorite scene in the movie, which is kind of fun. The last 10 is minutes. The, Sorry. Uh well that's good too, but I really like the scene with the blind man. Yes. Okay. So, now have you seen Halloween 4? No, a long time ago. Basically, this is how Halloween 4 starts, right? Michael Myers, like, or maybe it's Halloween 5, I'm not sure. Anyways, Michael Myers has been like, yeah, it must have been 5. Michael Myers got all shot up at the end of 4, and then, like, this old man in the woods picks him up and keeps him in his cabin for, like, a year, and then Michael Myers kills him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's basically this. Uh, But I liked, it was weird, because, like, the... The guy's like, I'm so lonely and I don't have any friends because I'm blind and I live in this awesome cabin and I play my music and smoke my pipe and uh, and then you can be my friend even though I can't see you and that's that's how we're going to be friends because you can't talk to me and I can't look at you. And, <laughs> and then uh, they're buds for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and then Yeah, it then does hunters... go on and on, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and then these hunters come by, and they're like, hey, don't you realize this is the monster? And the guy's like, no, he's my buddy. And then the cat, it burns down, and everything burns down, and this guy's, Frankenstein's monster is just on the run again. But I like, I don't know, I like the scene between the blind man and him. I do, too. Um, the My problem is that... First of all, I haven't seen this movie for 30 years. And second of all, I've seen Young Frankenstein a number of times. And all I could think about was the scene in Young Frankenstein where the monster blunders into this blind man's hut, blind man being played by Gene Hackman, and then proceeds to accidentally kill him (laughs) with his bumbling. (laughs) So... Yeah, burns down his hut, etc. Yeah. yeah, so uh, that's that's all I'm thinking about during that scene, and so I had to go back and rewatch it and try to put that out of my mind. But I do, I do like 
the friendship there because it's the whole thing of love being blind. Because mm -hmm. if you if you base everything on appearances, you're never gonna find out anything that's underneath. And so the blind man was able to, you know, help our monster friend along mm -hmm. in his development. Right, and he you know he teaches them to talk a little bit, and they they drink some wine, which is really funny, you know. And he's drinking wine, and wine is good, and he's smoking cigars. Smoking is good, you know. And so it's interesting because it shows that the monster is capable of growth mm. and learning, and he's more than just this automaton, which is kind of what Frankenstein wanted. You know, like he wanted to create a man, and we're seeing this growth. It just took a little bit of time and some burning. Right? He just wasn't done, so yeah. they had to put him in the oven for a little longer, I guess. Well, and, and this development did happen to a degree in the original Frankenstein. Uh, mm -hmm. He gave himself the name of Adam, and he was articulate and could speak and learn and understand. So, yeah, they it's they'd taken aspects that they didn't include in the first movie from the book and put them into this film. So it's like The Godfather 2. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Just not as good. No. Well, no. <laughs> Godfather 2 is better than Pride of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I feel that there are a lot of things better than Pride of Frankenstein. I um... Is Wages of Fear better than Pride of Frankenstein? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> the answer is yes. I don't know. It's a lot longer. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, Bride of Frankenstein is like just the intro before anything starts actually happening in Wages of Fear. <laughs> Time-wise, that's absolutely true. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh my okay, God. so, and then we got this weird B-plot with this weird scientist who's making all these weird little people. Dr. Praetorius. Like, this is really weird. There's like a little ballerina and a little king who's like in love with this queen or princess or whatever. And I I didn't I didn't understand what was going on. He was trying to do what Frankenstein was doing. However, he couldn't make these people full size. They were just like big enough to fit in like a mason jar. Yep. Okay, so I got it. Okay. Yep. It, they they were homunculi. They were they were not they were created, and they were absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And why, this was... why was he trying to keep the king and the queen separated? Just let them boink. It's obvious they want to get it on. Just put them in the same jar and see what happens. Isn't that an experiment in the name of science? To see if your homunculi can reproduce? Come on. Uh, I got the impression <laughs> that she wasn't that into him. Oh, she was into him. She was just playing hard to get? Absolutely. That's what women were expected to do at that time. Okay. So then this doctor, they're going to try and create, I guess they determine that they're going to create a, a bride for the monster. Yeah. So logic dictates that they should create a woman. Uh, they go get this skeleton, and Igor is all, like, thinking the skeleton's pretty hot. Right? Yeah. Cause, yeah. yeah. I mean, that bone structure. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. And and then he's sitting there, and he's staying. Doctor Pretorius is staying inside this crypt? sarcophagus crypt. Crypt. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. And like drinking, and then all of a sudden the monster comes up to him. Yeah, it just wanders in. <laughs> and they have a conversation. 
Smoke. Good. This movie has so many tone issues. <laughs> so many. It's like, what are you doing? Is this horror or is this slapstick comedy or is this science fiction? I don't know anymore. You have to make a choice and stick with it. Yeah. So then they, yeah, this is this is a weird tone. Like this is, it's neat imagery, but it's yeah. just the movie just kind of fell flat. For, what did I miss? What am I missing here? I don't know that you're missing anything because I feel the same way. And okay. my husband Dave watched it with me. And he felt the same way. And there, there were several times where we just looked at each other like, why is this movie so beloved? And, what just happened? Yeah. And in fact, the, um, the Wikipedia entry is written by someone very biased about how it's very rare that the, the sequel of, uh, is better than the original. But in this case, it, and I'm just like, um, what movie did you watch? Yeah. It's well known and that this is well thought of as vastly superior than the first one. No. And I don't think I would agree with that. Not, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I don't think I'd agree with that, so. This, this is Uh, basically a cash cow. Yeah. Godfather 2 is better. Yep, totally. Godfather 2 is better. Godfather 2 is even better if you watch it first and then watch Godfather. What? (laughs) That's just weird. Um, okay, so then they decide to create this woman who's played by the same woman that played Mary Shelley. Yep. Um, and she doesn't want him. They bring her to life and she doesn't want him, which I think is kind of interesting because that's something that you're not expecting. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing is that they create this, this, another homunculi for lack of a better word. What is a homunculi? You need to define that for me. Uh, you know, I don't know the textbook definition, so I'm going to look it up real quick. Well, then don't use words you don't know. No. (laughs) Why are you going to be like that? (laughs) Well, if you can't tell me what you're talking about, then don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, okay. What it is is a very small human or humanoid creature. Interesting. The uh, humunculus is basically very different in real life uh, than what it actually has become in popular culture today. So, because what popular culture today has done to it has made it more of a constructed uh, life form that uh, was brought to life by a mixture of science and magic. So, uh, like a zombie, kind of like that, but they're, uh, they're not undead. They're, okay. yeah, they're, they can be very, very awful though. Uh, if you want to know more about a homunculi in current pop culture, I suggest the anime series Full Metal Alchemist. Anyway, <laughs> great series. Anyway, a couple of them, two series, both great. Uh, so yeah, so they construct, construct this woman and they're the hubris of just assuming that because they created her, that she's going to mate with this monster. That is a very typical attitude towards women that men have carried for many centuries. It's like, oh, you're female. Uh, you should want me. And then they're completely surprised when she doesn't, when she 
actually has a preference. Really? Huh. Mm -hmm. You just created another person. And you want to force her to marry someone she doesn't know or mate with someone she doesn't know. And that's okay with you guys how? It's just weird to me. But it's also weird that they would do that in a story in 1934. That too. It's just... You know, like... Because this is the time where, like, happily ever after happens at the end of movies. Well, I mean, like, look at the end of the first Frankenstein movie. He's, like, all fine, and everybody's like, ho, ho, ho. And the guy had been, like, thrown off of a building. Yeah, because that dummy know? was super dead. That's right. So, you know, like, this is the kind of era that we're in where everything is A-OK -okay at the end of a movie, and then they purposely don't go that route. Because it's horror! Right? In quotation marks. Okay. Um... Sure. <laughs> but I... then Frankenstein gets all pissed off and yeah. gets mad at this mad doctor and decides to kill them, but he decides to let Frankenstein get away with his wife. And then he pulls the lever and the building explodes. Yeah, but somehow they're going to have a son. Hmm. I wonder if they're going to rewrite the ending of this film for the third film. <laughs> Probably. Because I've never seen the third film, I'll be honest. I've seen it once, like, when the DVDs came out on Universal's, like, I don't know, 2001 or whatever. But keep in mind that Frankenstein is the man. So son of Frankenstein, it'll be his son. Yeah. Right? But unless they constructed it of Frankenstein's monster or Frankenstein mated with someone, how did they get that, uh, that moniker? Because well, to be son of well, someone... Frankenstein left with his wife at the end of the movie. Oh, well, see. The thing is, though, is that in the movies, the Frankenstein is the monster. Well, no, they yeah. still call him Frankenstein's monster in this, so it'll 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 be his son in the in the movie. It's his son. It's the it's the scientist. Oh, okay, son. I see. Yeah. For you know, from the person who was dead in the first movie, right? Got it. But didn't die at the end of the first movie. But, Remember but we had did, that scene? We rewrote it. And he got a new and uh, a new fiance. And a new spine, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because he hit that windmill on the way down, right? Like, he landed on oh, that windmill. Like He totally did. So maybe yeah. he's part Klingon and that he could just have his spine replaced and then his redundant functions in his brain would just take over. And Oh, sorry. I went TNG on you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He found, what I don't know her name, that he found evil Pulaski because real Pulaski's good. <laughs> he found that evil Pulaski from season five. Yep. And, and she grew his spine. Yep. And he... Uh, yes, we can write it ourselves. So he goes to his friend and asks for the Mukbara. <laughs> right? He says, kill me with this crazy knife. And his friend says, no. And he learns to walk again. And then at the end, he looks down at his son and says, we will do this together because that is honorable. Yep. Excellent. I like it. Uh, okay, we've talked for like 10 minutes on this movie. Do you have anything else you want to say? <laughs> Uh, I, I wanted to enjoy this movie. I really, really did. But the enjoyment parts of it were a bit few and far between for me. I feel like, again, it had tone issues. It wasn't sure what it wanted to be. And 
for all of this Bride of Frankenstein stuff, you only get to see the bride for, what, five minutes? Yes, she's just, like, just at the end, and, like, there's, like, nothing going on with her until the very, very end. It's really bizarre. And she's she has a great five minutes, though. Her yeah. very bird-like movements as yeah. she's looking around. And just, uh, yeah, you wouldn't even believe it was the same woman. Uh, I th- believe the actress's name was Elsa Lancaster. No, and... it was question mark. Didn't you see it at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe that's why she didn't become as big of an actress as she wanted to be, and her husband's career has kind of outshone her. So, She's do you very... think that they're like making up the list of the actors and the guy who like was writing up all the the screen titles? He's like, who played her? He's like, I don't know. So it's a question. <laughs> It's a question. He's like, I'll fill that in later, and it just got to print. Yeah, maybe they were trying to see if anyone could figure it out. If they Probably. If they could notice. Because I didn't really recognize her, and after I was watching her for a bit, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's that's Mary Shelley there. Well, they did that with Boris Karloff in the first movie, too. They did, at yeah. the opening credits, they did put the question mark. At the end credits, I believe it was, they credited him as Boris Karloff, yeah. right? But um, they did have a big question mark, because it's like, who's the monster? Look, we really built this guy. Ooh, look at what, we're so dedicated we are to your films. So. Yeah, and uh, apparently Boris Karloff was not down for the monsters learning how to talk. Oh, really? He thought that the whole appeal of Frankenstein's monster was that he was this big, lumbering dummy that you couldn't okay. predict what would happen. So he did not actually want to have the monster talk. He thought it was a stupid idea. But considering that most people strangely think that this is better than the original film, joke's on him? Well, I'm sure that it's not the wonderful dialogue of the monster that, you know, that that is his performance. You know, I mean, like, we do get the classic line, smoke, good. But, you know, that didn't win him any Academy Awards. Fire bad. Yes. Ah. Uh, Okay, so, I mean, it's fun to watch. It's gorgeous cinematography. The bride's cool. I love the uh, the blind guy. I want that cabin, so I gave it a three. I'm generous. A three out of? Five dead people. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, there were, like I said, elements that I liked. Uh, there were a lot of things that I didn't like or that made no sense to me as far as coherent storytelling. And the homunculi were just weird. Just weird so weird and just you never see him again after that just Just, weird they're just weird so i would say um i would say two and a half out of five super dead dummies okay sounds good I do i do want to say though that the cinematography is great and it looks fantastic in the restored version for Blu-ray, it really, really does. Oh yeah, you have the Blu-ray. I just have the DVDs still. Oh, so. it's gorgeous! It's so mm-hmm. gorgeous. So that, that's a point in its favor. Excellent. Well, t- 
talking about dead people mating is not the only thing we've been discussing here on the network this week. So please take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. It has no opposable appendages, so I'm not sure how it, like, stole the pump. But that, be that as it may. Without damaging it. Yeah, it's per- in perfect condition. Oh, yeah, here it is back. No acid burns on it. Yeah, it's fine. You know? Just like you unscrewed it from the thing, you know, really carefully. And Anyway, because this is a good episode, we're going to let that go. This is a bad episode. You'd be like, this is so stupid. Earl Grey. Did I have a feeling we had we talked about Echo Paca, uh, Papa 607, didn't we? We, ta- oh, we didn't yes, talk we did. about it on a... Well, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording on the role-playing one. Right? Oh, that's right. That's what you were thinking of. Okay. little secret thing our listeners didn't hear. <laughs> All right. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> you had, like, your your camera drone that was showing us the dice rolls that you had, and you called it Echo Papa 607. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I know. You do these things and you're like, did we record that? Did listeners hear that? <laughs> I was like, I remember that. I was like, I don't remember. I was like, it, was, it, was it a character? No. <laughs> no, <So>. no. <laughs> Literary treks. So this, of course, leads to a whole bunch of weird temporal shenanigans and paradoxes and that sort of thing as they figure out what they have to do to change history so that they don't it doesn't turn out like it does in the alternate future in book two but at the same time not changing their past history so that they're not destroyed with the rest of the universe and oh my god i've gone (laughs) cross-eyed warp five They've determined that they have to get to the Guardian of the Galaxy. Guardian of the Galaxy. <laughs> Guardian of Forever. Oh, my goodness. They we can work to... in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Into it can work. That would just be crazy. <laughs> they have to work in the Guardian of Forever because somehow the Guardian of Forever is actually was created by the Temporal Cold War people. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond into the Universal Horror Movies field. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And uh, at this time, I'd like to read out an email. I forgot to put this out at the beginning of the show. Oh, wow. We got a email from John Corzine, and I hope I'm saying your, right, your name there right, John. Um, he says, I tried to send an iTunes review, but for some reason it would not let me do so. So I'm going to tell you this way. I've been a listener since Floyd Dorsey was a host. I was a little worried when he left 
because I have listened to other podcasts that went through a hosting change and I did not like them as much afterwards. I was thrilled to discover that I like this show just as much as I did before. Brandon, Brandy, and Patrick all do a great job working together. Not all podcasts are able to consistently put out episodes, but I can always count on Warp 5 to be there. I appreciate all of your hard work. Sincerely, John Mark. Thank you so much, John. We really appreciate you sending us the email. It means a lot. And, uh, yes, we, uh, we're very happy to have it. And I, we appreciate that you tried to uh, send a review in. You can always try again. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, that's okay as well. We know that you, we, you've sent us your opinions on the show, and we appreciate it a lot. Yes. Thank you very much. Excellent. Uh, and Brandy, where can people find you when you're not uh, playing with your little jars of people? <laughs> That's what I do all the time. My little homunculi. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy's with an I and 12 is a number. You can find me lurking in the Babel Conference on Facebook and you can when uh, well right now you can hear me once a month on live from the edge as we cover the short treks and the next one is coming up in december and then uh i loved calypso yes i, I did thought it was too. really good it it was it was fascinating. It I had so many feelings afterwards and I had trouble articulating them, but now that I've had time to ruminate on it, I could write a soliloquy, but I'm not going to. Um, so uh, you can also find me uh, on the Dark Corner podcast with my fabulous husband, Dave. We have been posting some of our, some recordings of our improv shows lately, so have fun with that. And you can find that at darkcornerpodcast.com. There are often colorful metaphors, so no children, please. Uh, you will you will all be better for not hearing those words any more than you probably already do at school. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a colorful so, metaphor right now. That <laughs> sun was as yellow as a daisy. That is lovely. Yeah, that's very colorful, too. Yes. Wonderful. So, Brandon, when you aren't keeping notes of everybody's uh, private doings in your little black book, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. You can find me here on the network with Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And I just had an episode come out with my friend Lance where we talked about the music of Code of Honor, believe it or not. From season one of TNG. And nice. you can find me on the Fanda podcast as well as our own independent feed. We have a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast with my friends, Chris and Tom. And we are going to have two episodes for you this December. We've got a cool Christmas special that's going to come out on Christmas Day. And we had the the man who knew too much, which was a really good discussion. We're into his great British work now. So it's a lot of Excellent. fun. And, yeah, I guess that's about it. Did you want to tell the listeners about Patreon? I totally, totally do. So if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. Do you know how to spell it? I'll tell you. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all those details. You spelled and it wrong. P-A-T-R-E-O-N? That you spelled it wrong. I'm just teasing you. It's fine. 
perks include Not early to access to episodes, <laughs> exclusive content, producer credits, and other stuff. Exclusive content? Available. Like us talking about Odo. Would you like to finish my paragraph? No, I just want to interrupt you. We did talk about Odo, though, and it's exclusive, and that's the only... Yes, we, we did. Yes, all three and of us. And that was a lot of fun. The three of us did. I, I want to I wanna do that more. Let's do that more. Okay. Talk about Odo? So, Well, not not just talk about Odo, but just do stuff for the patron zone. We could talk about Bride of Frankenstein. Sure. Oh, wait. We're already doing that for our podcast. Oh. We'll figure it out. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so you can go to our special patrons website, Patron Zone, once you're a patron, and uh, get all of that extra content. It requires so much money to produce, host, and distribute all of these shows every month, and we appreciate any support you can give us. We hope you'll join the team, and again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. At this time, we would like to thank our wonderful reanimated associate producers, Norman C. Lau. Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, Chris Chibuzio, and Jim McMahon. You are all wonderful, and you all deserve an extra shot of electricity. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, that's all we've got for you. Until next time, keep calm and boom on. Boom on.